On April 28, 1908, authorities were called to the Gunnis Farm in Illinois to investigate a fire. When they looked through the ashes, they were horrified by what they found. Among the wreckage, they found the remains of three children, along with a headless woman who was presumed to be the owner of the farm, Belle Gunnis. However, as they started to dig further into the wreckage, they began finding an alarming number of human remains, and a full investigation was launched to get to the bottom of it. What twisted occurrences had been happening at Bell's farm? Sarah, that's a good question. Some twisted occurrences, for real. Try not to say indeed this time. (laughs) It really, I mean, if anybody like me ever is uh, always just zillowing homes with like a lot of land just to start a new life, this case made me not want to do that. I mean, this case, like, is, I mean, it's it's terrible, but like, I jokingly say it's iconic because it is really just like a a, a case study in the perils of life insurance. <laughs> really, like is. we always it's, say, it should be taught in accounting classes. I don't know who ends up doing life insurance auditing class. If you're studying life insurance, you should study this. I mean. Yeah, I just... Also, it's a case study in why you shouldn't answer personal ads in the newspaper, which I don't think exists anymore, so good. It, it, it reminded me a lot. She reminded me a lot of, like, what... And, like, the before Craigslist killer, Craigslist killer. I was going to say, it's like a Billboard dad was, like, a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Truly wild stuff. Um, should we just get let's, into it? Let's go into it. Cool. All right, so we're going to be talking about Belle Gunness. Also, I, I I love doing the Serial Killer Sunday quizzes on the Not Another True Crime Instagram story because I just learn about the most fucked up things. You, yeah, you you get knowledge that um, I, I was going to say it's not good for, ha- well, it's good for happy hour depending on who you're having happy hour with. Yeah, <laughs> just for you. Yeah, just for you. Just, yeah. <laughs> Just us. Um, I will also say, because I was on an Amtrak for um, Thanksgiving, and I was making my little true crime Instagram stories, and I'm Googling serial killer facts, and I'm wearing a sweatshirt from Shop Betches that says true crime and chill, and the guy next to me must have been, like, Googling, like, how do I get someone arrested (laughs) who I don't (laughs) know. Citizens citizensarrest.com like help me yeah. yeah like he must have been like how do i move this seat any further away it was a completely <laughs> packed train i mean i think you did crack the code on how to make sure no one talks to you on public transit though right i do have a shirt from my other friend danny that says um introverted but willing to discuss serial killers so <laughs> i do think i should wear that on my next flight that yeah you should You'll get put on. Oh, I don't know if it's the list. You'll be put on a list, but yeah, you, you, you'll 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 fly in peace. That's true. I might get put in airport jail first, but we'll see. Yeah, who knows? We'll see. But speaking of serial killers, we're going to talk about our lady Belle Gunnist. Yes. She was born in 1859 in Selbu, Norway, with a name that I am not even going to attempt to pronounce. You guys, her last name is spelled S T R S E T H. What's that? I, I was pronouncing it in my head as stress. Sure. But I, I, that's based on nothing. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, and I don't want to butcher her name. Nope. So that's that. But you can rest assured that it looks very Norwegian to me. But anyway, her dad was a stoneman, and her family lived on a small farm. She immigrated to the U.S. in 1881, basically in search of the American dream. She was 21. She wanted money. I think her sister would later go on to say that she was kind of always motivated by money, and she just, like, mm. wanted to be rich, which, whatever, don't we all? Honestly. Yes. So she moved to Chicago and changed her name to Bella Peterson. And in 1884, she married a man by the name of Mad Sorensen, also from Norway. You will see that she uses these Norway roots to pull men from all over the country. Yeah, she does. Bring them in. I feel like the late 19th, early 20th century Norwegian community must have been like, very strong because, like, she really just pulled these connections. So Mads, he was a department store detective. Okay. Mm-hmm. Olivia Benson, like a, like a chic mall cop, Danny said. Okay. Yeah, Mads and Macy's, honey. <laughs> there we go. And he later got a job at the Chicago and Northwestern Railroad making 12 whole bucks a week. I don't know. I'm going to assume that was maybe a good amount back then. I have no idea. I'd hope so. Truly no clue. Um, The couple did have a home which burned down. Mm -hmm. And the insurance money that they got from that fire enabled them to buy a candy store. But then that store mysteriously caught fire too. There's some Adele stuff already. I set fire to the rain. Yeah. (laughs) I set fire to the candy store. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's like Adele meets 50 Cent. (laughs) so bell told the insurance company that a kerosene lamp exploded and started the fire and you know what i gotta say like insurance fraud was easy this in this point in time there's no camera you're using kerosene and lamps like you're already asking for a fire yeah, exactly. Like, oh, without a doubt. And it's very much, we didn't start the fire. It yeah. was burning. It was burning so we could power any single thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so even though that they never found the alleged lamp, the insurance company paid out anyway. And with that money, they bought a home in Austin, Illinois. And spoiler alert, there's going to be a pattern. There is a pattern. And the pattern is not their love of candy. No. <laughs> we'll go sadly. with that. <clears throat> no. So, um... The two of them had four biological children together. Only two ultimately survived infancy, Myrtle and Lucy. The other two were named Caroline and Axel, and they died. And the diagnosis was acute colitis, which was uh, covered, of course, by life insurance. The life insurance policy did cover this disease, so uh, they got that with them. And the interesting thing to note, though, is uh, colitis has the same symptoms as poisoning. I actually, first of all, didn't even know that you could get life insurance taken out on, like, children. Because, like, what? Like, they're not bringing income. That's, I wonder if it could be, like, um, you, uh, this is all based on assumption. If, like, there was a way that you could be, like, back then, maybe the hospital messed up, like, you could claim it with that. I mean, there would definitely be emotional damages. Yeah. For sure. But interesting. Very interesting. And what's more interesting, so these were the symptoms. Uh, the symptoms that it was nausea, fever, diarrhea, lower abdominal pain, and cramping. So just putting 
we're just saying that. And they also fostered another girl, Jenny. And at this time, Mads had also had a small life insurance policy. So a lot of life insurance policies going on. And he then ultimately ended up taking out a larger one. And there was only two days. I wonder why. I don't think he took out a larger one on his own behest. On his own behest. Yeah. So there was so a larger life insurance policy was taken out in his name. So he had a larger one and a smaller one. And there were two days that the policies overlapped. Oh, boy. And guess what happened in those 48 hours? Hmm. Mads mysteriously died. Interesting. And he showed symptoms of strychnine poisoning. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Strike nine? I'll call it strike nine. because You don't know. Poisoning. That sounds like yeah. a rapper name. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> strike nine poisoning. And uh, so this is a highly toxic, colorless, bitter, crystalline alkaloid. <laughs> really, really blues clues here. So <laughs> it's uh, it's it's it reminds me kind of of that woman that was in a did the nursing home in Connecticut. Remember her? Uh, yeah, yeah. What fuck, what was her name? I'm forgetting her name. I know, I know who you're talking about. Amy. Amy. Yes, it was Amy. There yeah. We go. So uh, it was this. So it was. So this alkaloid is used in pesticide, particularly for killing small vertebrates such as birds and rodents. Bird, who is, I didn't know bird poisoning was a thing also. Yeah, why are you poisoning birds? Yeah, Leave them alone. Yeah. However, they didn't even do an autopsy because the family doctor had been treating him for an enlarged heart. Okay, the Grinch. Uh, and <laughs> the, the doctor just said, because this is back then, well, that's what probably killed him. This is the thing. Like, it was so easy to commit murder in the early 1900s. They were like, sure, we're just going to take your word for it. Well, it truly, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so the insurance company paid out $8,500, which, I mean, that sounds like a nice chunk of change right now to me. But back then, it w- like, I mean, like with the conversion, it's over a quarter of a million dollars. Damn. Oof. That's a life but, insurance policy. And here is the thing. It it's two life insurance policies, too. So that's the thing. When two become one. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, they let you double dip like that? Because that just seems like a liability. I guess this was before companies were like, wait, we don't want to help people. You know what I mean? When they're yeah. like, they would just let things like this slip. I know. Imagine like insurance actually paying for stuff. What a time. I have never, I, I don't know if I will ever see the day. No. Yeah. Um, but here's the interesting, I mean, on top of that, the neighbors were starting to get suspicious. Because these were a, lo- a lot of tragedy and death striking this household. So with yeah. the money, Belle, Belle took the three kids and went and bought a farm in Laporte, Indiana. So at this, for, um, so in November of 1901, really old school, Belle and the kids, Jenny, Myrtle, and Lucy all moved there. And uh, in April of that uh, year, uh, Belle married uh, Peter Gunness, who was a local butcher and a widower with two young daughters. So they kind of had a little joint family going on. Yeah. Ugh, no Brady but Bunch. Not, no, no Brady. There was no Alice here. No Alice is in this situation. Within a week after Peter and Belle getting married, the youngest daughter died while Belle was watching her. Sketch. <clears throat> Very fucking sketchy. And then eight months later, Peter mysteriously died. 
Bell told local authorities that he was hit in the head with a sausage grinder when it fell off a shelf. The, that was the craziest thing to me. The Mad Libs of Bell is really I astronomical. Mean, yeah, I feel like this woman just like, she like does the thing that you're not supposed to do when you lie, which is she makes up like very specific details. Right. Well, he was reaching for the sausage grinder, but it's very like of like an old timey movie. I feel like was well, he went for the sausage. Like I'm just like, what is like what are, what is this dialogue going on? Like, yeah. I, no, no, that would not fly at all now. Um. So this time, here's the interesting thing: the coroner started to suspect some foul play. So he did launch an inquest, and he did find that Peter showed symptoms of again this same poisoning, the strike nine poisoning. And both the coroner poisoning. and poison. Poison. I don't know. I'm like, I'm also saying coroner. I don't know why I'm going so Southern with this right now. I'm not. It is just, it is just. Well, I the, do declare. Yeah. It is just. It was, it, I, it was a sausage grinder. Like the sausage grinder, I think, broke my brain. Because now I'm like, what are you on the sausage grinder? And the coroner, the coroner discovered this. And I'm just, I don't, like, it's just going to. I think because we talk about the Murdoch's. So we're like, <laughs> well, South Carolina is like, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Can you tell that it is the like the Thursday of the year because it's just like the until Thursday the new year. of the year? Yeah, because it is we are just riding the a Thursday one. every day until the holidays come. But so both the coroner and the school children were on to Bell. So really getting the town suspicious. Jenny, and yeah, it's oh, yeah. like sketch, sketchy. I mean, it's a, a lot of stuff happening at once with one person. So Jenny, who was 14 at the time, allegedly did tell the class her classmates, my mama killed my papa. She hit him with a meat cleaver and he died. Don't tell us all. Jeez. God, so sad that a girl, like knowing that and then also like scared to share, you know what I mean? Yeah. But then on top of that, of course, because girl wants to live. When Jenny was brought before the coroner, she denied saying this. And somehow after all of that, Belle convinced the coroner that she was innocent he ultimately believed her since, like, he had no hard evidence, so he couldn't really prove anything. And also, and, keep in mind, they're in different towns, so yeah. it's like, they don't know what happened at the candy store and to Mads and everybody else. Yeah, word is not traveling around all this. Different towns, different states, different everything. So after that, it was, you guessed it, time to collect the life insurance policy, which this time was $3,000. And... Uh, so that's maybe a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Oh, good math. Yeah, probably. I mean, and you know, then, I just took an educated guess. <clears throat> and then she has less payments too because after this, Jenny disappeared. No one knows because Belle told them she went off to a finishing school. But sketch, sketchy as fuck. Sketch. So after this, Belle worked pretty fast. She started putting ads out in local Norwegian-speaking newspapers in the matrimonial columns. She would write things like, Wanted, a woman who owns a beautifully located and valuable farm in first-class condition wants a good and reliable man as partner in the same. Some little cash is required for which will be furnished first-class security. So... This was a lucrative offer. Like I don't, I don't really get it, but honestly, it was a lucrative offer. Men would show up, they would have money, and bad things would happen to them. Yep. 
Um, one such man was a man by the name of John Moe from Minnesota. This is what I'm Not saying. Not John like, Doe. No, nope, John, John Moe. Moe. This lady had hoes in different area codes. She had Moe's in different <laughs> area codes. Like yeah. These men were coming from near and far to like marry this lady and like own part of a farm. A like, farm. I, I guess that is a big selling point. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh. Um, John showed up with cash to prove his worth, and then he was never seen again. Well. Yep. And neighbors would recall seeing many middle-aged visitors come but never leave. That is like, like, <laughs> wow. That, it, that's like very spooky that the neighbors always like had an inkling, but I guess your brain would never go to like, oh, she's just killing them and keep what? Yeah. Yeah, she's just murdering them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bell also said that every man would leave unexpectedly in the middle of the night. I mean, same, but uh, like, you know. I mean, <laughs> you can't get a man, Belle. <laughs> and another man who showed up was Andrew Helgeline. Sure. Let's go with that. Um, in a letter to Andrew before he came over, Bell wrote, but, my dear, do not say anything about coming here. Wow, she got bars. Um, <laughs> now, sell all that you can get cash for, and if you have much left, you can easily bring it with you, as we will soon sell it here and get a good price for everything. Leave neither money or stock up there, but make yourself practically free from Dakota. This Ooh. is so sketch. Like, who is being like, oh, sure, yeah, let me just sell all my belongings and go meet this stranger? That's it's an arm like, full of cash. Right? When you're like, oh, this is my new beginning. Like, I guess you have truly no roots or nothing going on in Dakota or where you are to just be like, all right, I guess my new life starts at this farm. I yeah, guess. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess. Because this is, where's like the, whatever a group chat was back then to be like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. Seriously. You know what I mean? Well. This is why, me this is why straight men need to talk to each other more for emotional levels. What are the many that things? That is true. Yeah, you guys need to start, like, dissecting the murder plots before yeah. that they happen to you. But And he did have a brother who we'll talk about in a second, but he didn't tell the brother where he was going. Mm. So after two weeks, Andrew sent some money to the First National Bank in Laporte. Bell and Andrew went to basically cash the check. And Bell took all the money in cash, even though the bank and Andrew were both like, um, maybe you should keep some of the money in the bank. Andrew didn't have to worry about that that long. Nope, he sure didn't, because he was gone the next day. And then, meanwhile, neighbors were noticing that Belle kept getting these wooden trunks, like, delivered, I guess. And she was also digging in her hog pen at night a lot. <laughs> I mean... Sketch. No curtains with the window? <laughs> I'm joking. Sketch. I'm also like... Well, this is a bad thing to say, but I'm also isn't Isn't there a rumor that, like... Pigs will eat anything. Like, isn't that one of those true crime meme ways of, like, getting rid of a body? I feel like in the, the what we consider, like, how what we use the word pig for, I feel they would eat anything. Well, also, for them, it's like, people eat pig. What's the same pigs not going to eat our humans? <laughs> and they're like, ha, the tables have turned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, they noticed that. And so, meanwhile, Andrew did have a brother. And he became worried when he hadn't heard from him. And... The brother wrote to Bell and the bank to be like, hello, where's my brother? And they both wrote back, basically, to be like, yeah, he was here. Um, but Bell since he'd since left her farm. You know when someone just, your brother just 
gives all of his money to someone and then just disappears. Right. Right. Casual. Going to Burning Man. Yeah. And then another visitor was a man by the name of George Anderson who came mm. from Missouri. Which, again, this woman had game. And I looked at pictures of her and I'm like, you know, I don't even get it. Not, yep. Uh-huh. I, I will co-sign that with you. I mean, you know, she was probably very strong working on a farm. That's true. But whatever. Belle told George that she was having trouble making mortgage payments. And so George told her he would pay off the mortgage if they got married. And I guess Belle didn't like that he didn't just give her the money because later after they went to bed, George woke up to Belle standing over him holding a candle and just looking very, like, menacing and scary. (laughs) I mean, there's really few ways for someone not to look terrifying if they're just – if you awake – and they're over your head with a candle just glaring at you. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely true. Um, and he also got spooked and fled the farm, which mm-hmm. saved his ass. So good for him, trusting those instincts. Truly. Another piece of info, Bell had hired a few men who were working on the farm. One of them was a man named Ray Lamphere, and he'll become very important. So. Mm-hmm. Belle hired Ray in 1907, and he wanted to marry her and become a partner in the farm. And apparently Ray was, like, madly in love with her and started, like, he was just really angry with all the men that were coming around. Yeah. And so Belle fired him in 1908 and had the authorities do a kind of, like, mental wellness check on him. And she actually tried to get him committed. But he was declared sane, but was arrested a few days later for trespassing on her property. And then, also in 1908, Bell hired a new farmhand, Joe Maxson. And so, on April 28, 1908, Joe woke up to the smell of smoke and saw that the house was on fire again. Dun, dun. For the the 900th time. Yeah, yeah. The fire consumed the farmhouse. It was just like a pile of ashes was left. And so... Afterwards, a bunch of local men were called to dig up the land, which is kind of funny to me of how that worked. They were like, sure, let's get the local guys to do it. Like, there's no forensic <laughs> no, professionals. No, no detective investigating, no. fire department, nothing no. back then. It was just, we're Steve. Just the local guys to dig up the land. I think that Andrew's brother might have been one of these guys. But um, what they found was the bodies of three children and also a woman's body, and that body was headless. And that body was believed to belong to Belle. That was a lot of bees. <laughs> a, a lot of bees going on there. Yeah, that was like a... Yep. tongue twister. Yeah. You would think that is the end of the story. Nope. But if you've been listening this far, you know Belle had 900 million tricks up her sleeve. <laughs> and this is where the tricks get a little more, she's out-tricked, she out-tricked everybody. Because initially, it was assumed that they were sleeping in their beds on the second floor when the fire started. But it got weird because the bodies were found in the basement underneath the piano. So no one is going to be, no one would just be sleeping soundly in the basement under a piano. Yeah. And then just like, oh, my God, the house is on fire now? You placed under a piano. Like, that just, yeah. So they quickly determined that the four victims had been murdered and that their bodies were placed in the basement before the fire and the LaPorte County Sheriff Albert Smutzer launched an investigation. As it turns out, 
The day before the fire, Belle went to see her lawyer and asked him to draw up a will, leaving everything she owed, first to her children and then to an orphanage in Chicago. I don't believe that. I'm like, this lady who spent her life burning things for the insurance money and killing children is going to leave her money to an orphanage? Not, 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 not so fast. Not so fast. I don't believe she, that. She also said, I'm afraid he's going to kill me and burn the house. Like she truly was like ri- script, right? Like writing a script for her, her situation, like premonition wise, referring mm-hmm. to Ray. So when they found this out, Sheriff Smutzer picked up uh, Lamphere for questioning. Ray denied knowing anything about the fire, but an eyewitness claimed to have seen him fleeing the scene of the fire. I don't know mm-hmm. what eyewitness this was, but. These witnesses saw a lot. They saw a lot of things in the middle of the night uh, with yeah, their kerosene lamps. Yeah. Uh, he was charged with arson and four counts of murder. However, because we got some journalists in these myths, this journalist named Edward Betchley was tasked with interviewing Ray and getting a confession out of him to publish it. Weird. Like, isn't that such an interesting time when, like, it a is journalist weird. I'm like, be doing why, the confession. Yeah, why are you doing that? And and where are the police? But what it doesn't, you know, it's I mean, fine, where, where's but the, fi- where's the fire like, department? Yeah, why yeah. is a journalist doing this? Exactly. And the confession seems kind of weird because it's a document that the journalist gives to uh, a reverend and then has Ray sign. Which I think now only, that's only like how confessions I feel like work in Lifetime movies now or like Hallmark Christmas movies. It's not, it doesn't make sense. So the document says that Ray killed Belle and the kids with an axe, sprinkled kerosene on their bodies, and then set them in the house on fire. It also said he was accomplice to the other farm murders. Edward, the journalist, never published his confession though because the reverend wouldn't let him. Interesting. I mean, it also seems like not legit to write the confession and then have the person sign it. Like, at, exactly. at least are they writing it? Because then, okay, that's fine. But, like... Because also, they vamped with this. It's like, oh, they, they there was right. an accident involved, there was kerosene. If I'm just going to write whatever bullshit, and you'll be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's very, very, very interesting with this. And um, then we could go into the... While they were doing all this digging, <coughs> the plot got even thicker, because on May 2nd, day before my birthday, four days after this fire, uh, Andrew's brother showed up, like Sarah mentioned, looking for him because he didn't hear from his brother for a few months, contacted Belle. She said he went to Norway or left, everything like that. So uh, he uh, had some doubts, so he wanted to go looking for answers. And he contacted Smutzer, explained the situation, and asked to be allowed to dig around the farm to look for his brother. Again, this is not how anything... Again, they're like, sure, go contaminate a crime scene. Like, what? With, like, similar... I mean, I guess back then it didn't matter. I'm like, with, like, very similar DNA because it's someone in your family. Yeah, whatever. So on May 5th, Andrew's body was found underneath the hog pen, which everybody always saw Belle hanging in the hog pen. You know, See? she liked to play with her hog pen. No pun, no hog pun intended. <laughs> so <laughs> the digging continued until 12 bodies and several miscellaneous body parts were uncovered. And around this time, questions were surrounding if the woman's body who was found was even really Belle. I and don't think so. Why was it missing a head? Why was it missing a head? And on top of that, the body was 5'3 and weighed about 75 pounds. And our girl, Val, was 5'9 and weighed about 210. Yeah, so... so that's a lot Damn, they didn't even different. try to find a similarly sized person. 
No, right? She just grabbed the first, yeah, the first person to see. And on uh, May 12th, I'm sorry, but on May 19th, two real teeth with porcelain teeth and a gold crown in between were found. And Bell's dentist recognized it at his work. So a coroner inquest ruled that the body was Bell's. But if anybody could rip out some teeth, it would be Bell because she probably also knew that the crown would be the perfect thing to, you know, to complete the crime. The That's crown true. The crown. I mean, this is true, like Joe Goldberg shit. Mm-hmm. Damn. So, Ray went to trial in November 1908. His lawyer ended up presenting evidence that contradicted the dentist's claim about the teeth. So, basically, a jeweler, a local jeweler, testified that the gold that was in the bridge work that they found was pretty much intact, while he pointed to other gold jewelry that melted in the fire. So, he was like, how would this have survived the fire? Yeah. Um they did this like wild experiment where two doctors got a human jawbone, what attached a similar piece of bridge work to it, what again, and then <laughs> burned it in a blacksmith's forge. And the teeth that they basically so they kind of compared so the teeth that were found in the fire at the farm held up a lot better than the teeth in their experiment. So they were like, dude, this is not her. Like this, no. And also, shouts out, another witness came forward and said that he saw a, a miner um, who was hired to sift through the debris, pull the bridge work out of his pocket shortly before the discovery, hmm. which is some serious whole shit. Like, that is. <laughs> when caveman just puts the lipstick in x-rays whole, I watched this movie like a week ago. Um, <laughs> I was like, that's really top of mind for you. <laughs> it is. Listen, I think a lot of roads lead back to holes. I won't say all of them, but truly a lot. It's a great movie. It um, is good. Also gives me like making a murder vibes with, with the car key. But oh. in any case, on November 26th, 1908, Ray was found guilty of arson, but he was acquitted on the murder charges, sentenced to between two and 21 years in state prison. And uh, years later, he contracted tuberculosis and was on his deathbed when he finally decided to come clean and confess. They always do. They always do. He insisted that Belle was not dead and that he'd taken her to Stillwell, a small town east of LaPorte, where she caught a train to Chicago. And before that, Belle asked him to burn down the house with her children inside. So again, I'm saying this woman is not leaving her money to an orphanage. No fucking Never. way. No. And the body that they found, investigators believe, was actually um, a housekeeper that she'd hired a few days before the fire, which is awful. He claimed that he never helped Belle murder the men, but did help in disposing of the bodies. And he also said that when a man answered an ad and came to the farm, Belle would invite them to dinner. And during dinner, she would either drug him and hit him over the head with the meat cleaver or poison him. And then butcher them and either feed them to the hogs. See, I told you that's a thing. Or bury the body parts near the hog pen. Which I'm sure they would then dig up and eat. Well, to this day, it's not super definitive whose body that was. And and we can't say for sure if she escaped or she was, in fact, dead. But I'm going to go ahead and say, no, she probably escaped. Mm-hmm. And went on living her life. Yeah. In 1931 in Los Angeles, a woman going by the name of Esther Carlson was arrested because she was caring for a man and she stole $2,000 from his bank account. 
She died in prison before her identity was proven, but two people from Laporte saw the body in the morgue and were convinced it was Belle Gunnis. There are also, there's some people who just think that it was a copycat. Um, unclear. So that is I interesting. Mean- According to an old article from the Tampa Times, like literally from 1931, they don't actually look like each other at all. Okay. <laughs> the The actual article says pictures of the two bear little resemblance to one another. But Indiana authorities think they're the same woman. So who knows? Who knows? I might just be Indiana wanting to be like, can we close this door? Right. And I mean, all this happened in nineteen, in like the early nineteen hundred. So, unless I mean, if anybody could still be alive, traipsing around, it could be Belle. But um, as an one hundred and forty year <laughs> or whatever she would be. Yeah, I'm gonna guess she's she's not alive anymore. We can say no. that pretty much for sure. Yes, definitely. Oh God, but, but wow. wow, just wow. It really shows how. Um, I guess how far we've come in terms of just how to investigate investigations yeah. and stuff, but oof. don't show up to a date with pocketfuls of money. No, thank God the economy keeps on crashing, so no one will be doing this for anybody. Right? Yeah. <laughs> doing that is not safe, and I think the only safe thing left is a game with Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, I don't know, nervous, but we'll see. You always kill it with these segues, Danny. It's, it's a work <laughs> of art every time. Oh, God bless. <laughs> so as we were researching this crime, something that really struck me was uh, these newspaper ads that she would put out and how that's just completely disappeared. So I went into a little bit of a rabbit hole looking at old matrimony columns for, from people trying to find partners. So today we're going to play a little game called Swipeth the Right. (laughs) So I'm going to read you some of these personal ads and you're going to have to decide whether you're swiping right or you're swiping left because this used to be the old Tinder. You would pick up the newspaper. If you were trying to hook up, you would just go to the column, see what what was happening, you know, swipe for a while. Circle a few ads. (laughs) Love it. Ask all this a bonus because you would get coupons for like the store. You don't get any of that on dating apps. That's now. true. You actually have to pay for some of them for like what, yeah. super likes or whatever the fuck. Oh God, I would I will die alone before I give a dollar to Tinder. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here is the first one. This one appeared in the Tarboro Southerner, North Carolina, in 1855. Here it is. I have been trying for some 20 years to obtain a better half for myself privately, but I find it not so, so I must come out boldly to the world and make it known to the public. I will proceed to describe her or the lady to which this description may apply. I want her to be exquisitely beautiful, black hair, black eyebrows, and her complexion to be as fair as the lily of the valley, her countenance to be as fresh and open as rose in a morning in the month of May after it received a small shower the past evening. About her wealth, perhaps the community may think I want her to be rich. They are mistaken. (coughs) If she has it, I will have no particular objection, but all I wish is to love her above all others. 
Okay, well, I don't have black hair, so I'm going to go with no thanks. <laughs> I'm doing no thanks, too, because, like, that's a lot of demands for someone who's been trying for 20 years. <laughs> yeah. You're in your mid-40s, yes. then I'm assuming. Let's take it down a notch. I might not smell like a fucking flower being showered <laughs> or whatever that is, but, you know, you probably don't either. So, yeah. Danny, that is true. You do have. You can't be so specific, like so picky. Yeah. yeah. I know. I have the. Hair. You have the hair. You have. You are exquisitely beautiful. You have black hair and oh. black eyebrows. Oh. So come on. Oh, okay. And I, he said May, so I was born in May. So like flowers and there showers. There you go. All right. There we go. And you're not necessarily uh. rich, but he doesn't seem to care. <laughs> you know. That's true. That's true. But then why does the community hate him? Because mm. he says the community all think that. That's true. That's true. I don't need to be friends with my neighbors, but I don't want to have enemies. All right. So this yeah, old true. bachelor from North Carolina is getting a no from, from the team, huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately. All right. Well, next up, I have a feeling uh, a lot of these are not going to be very uh, eligible. But here's the next <laughs> I'm one. I'm going to go ahead and say that like, I just feel like anybody putting out an ad in the paper is like probably not a catch. <laughs> I will say back then though it was different. I feel like it back was then different. you had to. Yeah, how would yeah, you? Yeah, but even what year is this? Nineteen oh eight. Like what year is that? This? Was eighteen? That was eighteen fifty five. See, that's even worse. That's even worse because you would just get set up with by your parents or whoever. That's true. Okay, interesting. All right, this next one is from the Dundee Courier in in I think Scotland. That's Scotland. It's in the UK. Oh, okay. Somewhere. I'm interested. I'm intrigued already because I just watched A Castle for Christmas. Oh, there you go. Uh, this was from 1880 uh, in April. Okay. Okay. A young oh. girl, 17 years of age, Ew. who knows oh. how to make good soup, desires to marry someone, no matter who, and would not even object to a person with a broken leg. <laughs> I mean, how bad was medicine back then? A broken leg? It's not like terminal. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was gonna say I liked all that the under like the seventeen and under threw me, but I guess back then you lived till you were like thirty five. Right, you had maybe. to make it count, you know. You had to get out so, there you know, quickly. Uh, I would meet for a bowl of soup. I would meet for a bowl. Of soup. <laughs> I would taste the yeah. soup. I would taste the soup. I would taste the soup. Uh, yeah, well, I have to fucking make the soup, soup so I want it. But yeah, I guess I can't blame them for wanting a seventeen year old because that's like middle aged for that time. Honestly. And also, he's like, you you don't have to, he doesn't expect someone to do a lot around the house, because if they would have a broken leg, they wouldn't expect to do that. That's so that's actually an, more of a bonus. That's true. Well, no, because he, if he has the broken leg, then you have to do everything. Oh, that's true. Mm. And you got to make the soup. Like, this is a lot of responsibility. Uh, well, if they have a broken leg, yeah, the, the it's going to be dirty. Try to fight me. <laughs> Get up and try to fight me. True, true. <laughs> you can run away from them pretty easily. Yeah. All right, next up, this is from the Dorset County Chronicle. This was even earlier, 1832. Oh, my God. It was a long time ago. All right, a bill for a wife. His name is Charles Warren. My family is as follows. The eldest boy is 13 years old. The younger is a boy 5 years old and a girl 8 years old. Three children. My house is my own, and I have no rent to pay. I have an acre of potatoes, half blues and half whites, <laughs> this year. My wife has been dead 13 months ago. The children live with themselves in the day, but I am always at home with them at night. I do think it would be better if there was a woman to look after them, both for the children and for myself. 
I want a good and steady woman between 30 and 40 years old for a wife. I do not want a second family. I want a woman to look after the pigs while I'm out at work. The pigs! <laughs> Those are cats? Yeah, he calls his That's children funny. pigs. Yes! <laughs> it's also funny, funny to I me mean, this be down. that he doesn't, like, he makes no illusion of, like, I want someone to love and to cherish, nope. like, a flower. She's like, no, no, I just need a nanny. Like, my children need but someone to look it. at them. That's true. <laughs> I respect it. Yeah, you got to respect someone who's, you know, forthright with their uh, that's, that's with true. their intentions. Yep. Sarah, you're for it? Yeah. I mean, this is the best one we've gotten so far. It's true. Also, you're going to take care of three kids by yourself? <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true. Just take care of the pigs. Like, that he refers to as pigs? <laughs> or maybe so he I'm has assuming pigs. They're not great. With potatoes? You have to take care of kids, pigs, and potatoes? <laughs> And he's not the one in Scotland? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> this is in Dorset, which is also in the UK. So it does have a little bit of a British persuasion. Ooh. I'm still no, because I don't want to take care of three kids by myself. But mm. you can have so many potatoes. Blue potatoes. That's what I'm saying. Like, That's this is true. A good, I do like the potatoes. I feel like this is a good deal for the 1800s. Like, he's got his potatoes. I don't have to go through childbirth, which is probably about as dangerous as it is today. Um, not a bad deal. That's actually okay. I no, can be age appropriate, thirty to forty. Like I'm into it. You know, he's a more realistic one than the first one because yeah. he's like, we're forty five. There's not going to be sparks. Yeah. But you want to eat a fucking yeah. potato? That's and fun. I don't want you to have another kid. So there we go. <laughs> Bonus. Yeah. All right. Also, like, imagine you're like some, you know, just some normal person in like 1886. Putting out a personal ad, two hundred years later, some jackasses oh. on a podcast are making fun of you. Can I say? <laughs> can we have a round of applause for the power of the printing press? Yeah, yep. Because that shit's magic, though. <laughs> round of applause. Next up, we have one from nineteen oh five. This was in Shields okay. Daily News, so a little bit more modern, at least the twentieth century. Thoroughly modern. Okay. 16 years old, of good family, picturesquely beautiful, and of stately presence, noble character, and great goodness of heart, highly intellectual, exceedingly musical, and a free-thinking oh. Israelite, moneyed with a large income. I am looking for a suitable wife. Great beauty will be less highly considered than soulful intellect and good family. A certain amount of money is a necessity. Ladies, parents, or guardians may communicate confidently, photograph accompanying if possible. Not a bad gig. No, because at first I thought he was listing all of his requirements, and I was like, oh, he's talking about himself. Yeah, he was talking about himself. Yeah, you know, I'm into it. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I'm into it. I do like the exceedingly musical yeah. descriptor yeah. he used for himself. Because I'm <laughs> like, like, okay. Too musical. Yeah. <laughs> he just wakes you up like tapping, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll take that, though. That's fine. It is, yeah. It's it's crazy to think about. He was only 16 years old. And that's what confused. Okay, oh, wait, this kid wife. is 16 years old? Oh, then I'm yeah. saying no, too, because I'm... No, huh. <laughs> no, no. It, it, I, <laughs> no. I feel like, what's wrong with you when you're 16 and you can't find someone to date? Even in those times, like, 16 is your prime in 1905, that's probably. That's well, true. He's not looking to date. He's looking for a wife. That's true. He's looking I'm just for a saying, wife. why can't he find suitors on his own? 
Mm. Yeah, but he does have his priorities right, though. He's like, intellect will be more highly considered than beauty, which is that's true. Pretty, pretty, th- pretty thoughtful for that's, a sixteen-year-old. Yeah, that's progressive for them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, into that. All right. Well, last up, we have an ad in the Staunton Spectator, April twenty-fourth, eighteen sixty-six. Hmm. I have lived solitary long enough. Oh, boy. I want Uh-oh. someone to talk at, quarrel <laughs> with, then kiss, and make up again. Oh. Therefore, I am ready to receive communications from young ladies and blooming widows of more than average respectability, tolerably tame in disposition, and hair of any color. Any color. There you go. Okay. As nearly as I can judge of myself, I am not over 80 nor under 25 years of age. <laughs> Okay. Big range there. I am either five feet eight or eight feet five. I forget which. Okay. So either a giant or a very small, not small. Five I guess, average is like normal. Height. That yeah. is normal. It's so bizarre. Weight one thirty five, three one five, or five thirty one pounds. One of these three. Okay. Okay. Recollect Riddler. each figure perfectly well. I was like, this is a Unabom letter. Yeah. A Unabomber wrote this. <laughs> enough. I'm not going to solve your riddles three. <laughs> I am a domestic animal and perfectly docile when towels are clean and shirt buttons all right. Ew. I should like a wife who is perfectly able to support a husband. Or if she could introduce me to a family where religious example would be considered sufficient compensation for board, would do just uh, as well. Uh, this guy needs a mom. Like, he doesn't need a wife. Uh, That's who, true. Whoever answered that is was taxidermied. That's just the reality. <laughs> I want someone to talk at. Like, no, that, that is now a psycho. That is psycho. Yeah, big yikes energy. It's a no yeah. for me. Oof, uh, okay. Big no energy for this one, huh? Yeah, BNA. This guy is also just <laughs> annoying. Awesome. Yeah. Like, forget that. Like, it's like, do you want, it's like, what do you want for dinner? I either want, I don't know, like chicken and potatoes or potatoes. Like, just tell me what the fuck or you en- want. Ch- or enchicos, potatoes. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, why are, what is this secret language we're starting? Right, right. Like, just stop. And also, I'm like, no, you're not going to pay your bill by giving me a prayer. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know, like, does he just want to go live in, like, a monastery or a church? Like, is that all he needs? I'm just free room and board? Yeah, I'm actually confused. should. Yeah. I hope he ended up doing that because he was solitary for 20 years. So that'd be nice. I mean, yeah. Just, this one was super long. I cut it down for our purposes. But wow. there was another sentence in there that said that he had a mouth that was perfect for oratory and for the consumption of large oysters. No, 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 no. I hate that. I hate that. That is some 20th century sexting. That is. Well, when you were like, you were like, we had to cut it down. I'm like, he just like, he just entirely like printing pressed his like dick pic on it. I don't love that. Oh, God. Mouth for oysters. Oh. But you know what? Hey, I'm like, I didn't know men were going down on women in 1905. So you know what? Respect. This is 18 something. You know what? This is 1866. Respect a little bit. I gotta say. Maybe he discovered cunnilingus while he was alone for 20 years. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I had some begrudging respect for that. So 
Shout out. Because like it, in 2021, DJ Khaled won't go down on his on a woman. So no. that's true. So. All right, you know Jebediah or whatever this dude's name is. <laughs> it's two no's, but respect. Yeah, <laughs> it's a maybe. It's a maybe. It's we can meet in a public place. It's a maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I, you have a lot of confidence if you want your oyster eaten in a public place. No, no judgment. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yep. Shout out to your personal confidence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for going down uh, memory lane. And uh, <laughs> you, no, you, you know, can't say that right after after oysters. <laughs> thank you guys for going down. Um, that was it. <laughs> well, this was fun to make fun of people over two hundred years ago. I mean, do yeah, you think so. dating back then was worse, or is it worse now? Well, I, I have to imagine it was worse back then, it's right? True. Oh, well, you had less options. Then? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Less options, but less ways of getting ghosted. Mm. Less ways of like true. seeing them post pictures with their exes afterwards. That's true. You know? And that's also true. people were just kind of like, well, this is what's happening. You know what I mean? There was yeah. The, yeah. That's true. And I think that it was there was more chances of like, I don't know, romantic sort of that's happenings. Because also it's know? like. All of those, all of them put in more effort to their little paragraphs than any dating bio ever. So there shout out go. to that. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. You know? That's true. Shouts out. Well, thank you, Jorge, for that fun game. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that was kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. Ugh, you know. <laughs> uh, the 1905 you up text. <laughs> it's killing me. It's killing me. But thank you all for listening. This has been a very wild episode. Um, it's and so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So much. So follow us on Instagram and not know the true crime. We do quizzes. That's how I found out about this crazy lady. Um, I find out a lot about a lot of unhinged people through the quizzes. So it's very fun. I get to learn it as I trick you all. Um, but also, I don't know the answers myself, <laughs> so don't feel bad. Um, <laughs> and please rate, review, subscribe wherever you're listening to us. You can also follow me on Instagram at Sarah Lameem. You can follow me at Cashmere Dana, Cashmere with a K. And we'll be back next Monday with even more crime. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.